Good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. My name is Pastor Matt. It is always a privilege to be up here giving the message. I do trust that that all of you have battened down the hatches this week and not gone blown away. It's good to see you here. There was a lot of wind this past week, so I'm glad that you're able to be here with us. I do want to welcome you, and if this is your first time, let us know that at the end of the, the sermon. We'd love to, uh, to shake your hand, welcome you, and uh, to tell you a little bit more if you have any questions or anything else like that. Please feel free to do that. Me or Pastor Brad would be more than willing to, to entertain questions or anything that you might have as a need. This is the third Sunday of Lent, and in that this is our third in the sermon series that we're in, and the Gospel of John, the stories of Jesus. Last week we learned that we are called by God's grace to understand who Jesus really is. We also heard that our right response to this is worship. We learn that God alone is worthy of our worship. And Pastor Brad explained to us what we set up in our churches. We sometimes look like theaters, but we should understand that we're all involved and to be engaged in this corporate time of worship together. Not just the worship leaders or the pastors, but us all. And God alone should be our audience. So we're in an audience of one this morning. Do you remember last week the question that, that Brad asked us to leave here asking of God? Not many people in the first service responded to this, but the, the question was, were you pleased with my worship? How many people left last week asking that of God? Were you pleased with my worship? Okay, so you got a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance, and just continual. So every time we leave this place, we should, we should pray and ask the Lord, were you pleased today with my worship? Remember that worship is an, always a response to who he is. It's not a hollow attempt for us to perform for him. So what a great challenge to have for us. So we're going to look a little bit further and deeper today into that. So let us continue to build on all this. If you would, turn with me to our scripture reading. It is found in the fourth book of the New Testament. Uh, as our series title tells us, this is the Gospel of John. And we'll be looking at two different places in his story of good news. We'll look up John eight fifty six through 59 first. So if you've got your Bibles, please do that. If you look in front of you in the little pocket, there should be one of these life group pamphlets. If you could, go ahead and take that out. Hold it up. Come on. Good following directions. And slip that into your Bible there in John 8 to hold that place because we'll be coming back to that a little bit later. And then we'll go now to John 6.35. So if you would turn in your Bible there, and I will read. Are we all ready to hear the word of the Lord? Follow along as I read this. John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. This is good news. In John 6, to give context to what we have just read, we enter into a historical account of Jesus being followed into the wilderness by about 5,000 men. Now, in how they counted back then, that would mean that there was actually around ten to 20,000 people, scholars would say, because the women and children would have followed with the men there. So there's ten or 20,000 people sitting there listening to Jesus speak. Now, night was soon upon them, and Jesus asked the disciple named Philip to find out what he had planned for supper and how much it would cost to feed all of these people. Well, Philip didn't know how much it would cost. He thought it would be months and months of salary. 
But we can assume that this right here is where our Methodist church found its liturgy for potluck suppers. Jesus then asks of a young man to share five loaves of bread and two fish that he had with him. And that faithful offering to see Jesus, this boy has a front row seat to one of the greatest miracles in all of Scripture. The disciples pass out these meager parcels of food, and the people begin to eat, and to eat, and to eat, and to eat. A lot of Methodist parallels we can find here. When every one of the ten to 20,000 people had had their fill, Jesus instructs his disciples to gather the leftovers. The disciples do as they are told, and by the end of the offering, there were 12 basketfuls of bread. Now, these weren't small baskets that you could hold in your hand. These would have been giant baskets full of bread. In the midst of this amazing miracle, we see the people start to conspire. They come up with a great idea of insurrection. That meaning that they thought that they should have this man, Jesus, be their earthly king. You can imagine the ideas and the words being said. Stuff like, we'll never hunger again. We will have a loaf on every table and a chicken in every pot. This would have been perfect chance for Jesus to take the throne at Jerusalem and start an empire that would make Rome look like but a mere flash in the annals of history. So what does Jesus do? Well, does he form a lobbying firm and start to pad the pockets of local, regional, and national leaders? Does he form a political party and start to raise billions in campaign funds? Does he gather an army and ride up to the steps of Roman government demanding that they step down? No. Jesus hears these murmurs and he walks away by himself. Jesus' disciples look for him and unable to find him, they then take a lone boat at night across the water. Jesus joins them on the boat after they were about three or four miles from shore, which is kind of a cool thing because he had to walk on the water to get there. And that's a neat story in itself, but we're not going to focus on that, so we're going to quickly move on. We see the people find also these crowds and multitudes of people find boats the next day, and they follow Jesus to a place called Capernaum. That was across the lake where they had been fed from the night before. Someone from the crowd asked Jesus, what time did you arrive? Jesus looks past the small talk, and he cuts to the quick. He tells the people that they just want to be there for what they can get from him on this earthly level. You're just here for the food. He later goes on to say some pretty shocking things. First, Jesus talks about how he is the bread sent down from heaven. And that he, him, in him is found eternal satisfaction from hunger. He then later raises the bar and tells the people as they grumble about what he has said, that those who truly follow Jesus will eat his flesh and drink his blood. Think about this. Jesus has about 10 to 20,000 member church following him around in this wilderness. No bathrooms, no cry rooms, no sanctuary, no zone, no building, no schedules, no bulletins, no guaranteed comforts, no cars, nothing that we enjoy today. All that they had was Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. So in this, many of the crowd leave, and by many I mean only 12 stayed, and Jesus turns and asks those 12, are you going to leave too? Peter, one of them, says, no. Jesus, why not? Well, in you is found the key to life, is what Peter acknowledges. 
In this, we see Jesus effectively shows us an opposite side of what we would want in our evangelism today. He does the exact opposite of any good evangelism strategy. He takes a huge crowd, speaks some things that, they don't, that don't sit very well with them or the majority of them, and they walk away, all but 12. I believe that this shows us a few things, some truths that we might not like to hear ourselves, but we might need to. So that first truth being, Jesus is declaring how great he is. Here in John 6 and throughout the whole book of John, that is what Jesus is declaring. Look at me. I am God. Jesus has the right to be arrogant. We see arrogance as offensive in our culture, and they would have seen and had trouble listening to Jesus in that day as well. Jesus uses words that do not give us the ability, though, to say that he is a good man or a good teacher or only those things. See, when Jesus speaks about himself, he places himself above all things, and he sets himself apart from every man that has ever walked the earth. Here in verse 35 of John 6, we see Jesus make one of the first I am statements as he states, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus is saying, everything else will leave you unsatisfied but me. Really quick, I want to explain this I am statement. This leads us to examine our other text for today. So remember our life group brochure. Turn now with me to John 8, and we're going to read 56 through 59. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. We see here that Jesus uses I am yet again in verse 58. These words offended the Jewish leaders and those Jews that were there so greatly that they were willing to attempt to kill Jesus. Imagine being so offended by someone that you're willing to kill them. To understand this reaction, we must go back to Exodus and hear how God expressed who he was to Moses. In chapter 3 of Exodus, we see God show up in the burning bush, and God sends Moses on a mission to release the Hebrew slaves from the tyranny of the most powerful man in the world at that time, Pharaoh. In Exodus, we know that Moses lives in a time much like we do today, where there is a plurality of gods to choose from. They might go by different names today, but surely and nonetheless, they persuade people's affections away from the one true God and onto themselves. So Moses asks a great question. What shall I say to them who ask who has sent me? And God answers Moses by saying, Thus you shall, shall, uh, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is how God identifies himself to the people of God then and to us now. For Jesus to use I am as a way of identifying himself would have been blasphemy unless he was God. See, we see in these scriptures Jesus declaratively stating he is God. We see this I am in chapter 9 of John. I am the light of the world. You were in darkness now you're in the light. Again in chapter 10, I am the door. 
enter through me and you will be saved. Later in chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. All that were before me were thieves and robbers. In chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You must go through me alone to receive the Father. In chapter 15, I am the true vine. Abide in me and bear much fruit. See, Jesus shows us that we can go looking for others and their false philosophies. But in the end, Jesus is the only one who can truly fulfill us. Friends, when Jesus boasts about himself, we understand that we cannot place human rules on God. When Jesus sets himself up as God, we must understand that this is the deepest form of his love. See, Jesus is sharing with us his supremacy. If he did not speak this way, we would be led to assume that there is other ways to be satisfied. But Jesus is so kind to us and so loving to us by showing us what we might perceive as arrogance in saying, I am the bread of life. There is nothing, nothing that will satisfy your deepest need other than me. If God is not set apart and above all things, then we will run and choose those lesser things to find our fulfillment and satisfaction in. The second truth is Jesus is the true bread. In verse 28, we see the people looking to find out how they can work to see God work for them. Jesus answers them by telling them the work of God is to believe in Jesus and that he is sent from God. This is our great work, to believe. In the following verses, they want another sign and speak of Moses, giving their father's food in the form of manna. Jesus quickly corrects their bad history thoughts and tells them that it was not Moses who gave them the bread, but God. The people are speaking of Moses in such a high manner Jesus is tearing down that idolatry and expressing to them something they cannot or that they are choosing not to see. He says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Again, Jesus is the true bread, the only thing that will satisfy us. Thirdly, Jesus expects people to follow him, not to just admire him. We live in a time where we can turn on the TV Hear preacher after preacher telling us how God wants to give you this or give you that. We see here in the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 that Jesus comes against this idea of using him to satisfy our earthly desires. These thousands of people have followed Christ into the wilderness because of the signs of healing that he had done. He then feeds them in a miraculous fashion, and they're still not satisfied. They look to, to use Jesus to overthrow the government. They're looking to use Jesus for their own desires. They chase him down to use Jesus and he runs from that. See, Jesus wants us to follow him, not for what he gives. Jesus is saying to us, he just wants us to love him for who he is. In verse 26, we see that we are not to look for the signs, but we are to follow him because of who he is. Jesus answered them and said, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. I was up at Virginia Commonwealth University at the hospital this past week. Many of you know that my mother had been in the hospital with some liver problems. I thank you for your concern and prayers. Y'all's prayers have been felt. Uh, my mother is, is recovering and doing, and doing much better. She's resting at home even today. But as I traversed the parking garage and, and the many hallways, the maze of hallways up there at Virginia Commonwealth University, if you've ever been up there, you know what I mean. There were signs and placards placed all over the place. 
and by them I was able to find my mother's, my mother's room. Uh, once I arrived at my mother's room, however, I didn't need those signs. See, I'd found my destination, and I'd arrived where my mother was. See, these signs really mean nothing when we find what we're looking for. The signs Jesus used were to point to who he is and how worthy he is to be worshipped. Jesus is saying to us, all those signs show he is it. And he wants us to only want him. Jesus does not want partial commitment. Jesus says in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Again, Jesus does not want our partial commitment. People are okay with Jesus who performs cool healings and amazing miracles. However, they start to get really uncomfortable when Jesus calls us to commitment. We continue in verse 52 and onward. Then then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread will live forever. Many people these days are keen to work in the area of social justice, which is wonderful and great. However, those things are signs that point to Jesus. If we just admire the signs and do not allow for our lives to be transformed by Jesus, we are making idols out of our good deeds, and we miss the point, which is simply Jesus. Many are attracted to Jesus, but few will actually follow him. Jesus gave his all as our fourth point. As we see here in the, in the last two verses of chapter 6, we read this, starting in verse 70. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Think about this. Think if Jesus looked at you and said, You are the devil. That would be hard to hear. But he speaks of Judas because Judas had the bread of life in front of him. He walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, watched Jesus pray, and do every kind of miracle. However, Judas traded Jesus for a few pieces of silver. He would find himself come to the revelation of what he gave up for silver was actually of eternal value. Those temporary things that he held on to, he traded for what would have been eternal worth. Are there things today that we hold on to and are unwilling to let go of? Will you get to a place in life and see the value of Jesus, look back and realize just how worthless that which you held on to is compared to the life that would have been lived with Jesus? I hope not, friends. On February 15, 2015, a five-minute video showing the gruesome beheading of 21 Coptic Christians was released by the terrorist organization called ISIS. You can see a photo of this on the screen. Most of us are familiar with the savage nature of this group and its hatred of many, especially its hatred of Christians. How would you think of me if I were to say to my, my oldest son, Hayden, who is now eight, but on his 18th birthday, if I sent him on a mission, 
And I asked of him, do you see those people who hate you? Those guys that, that torture and do unspeakable horrors? Can you go to them? Can you have your head taken off by them so that they might understand that I love them? I don't have that kind of love in me. I'll just, I'll just tell you. But in Christ, I do. I have the ability to sit there and look at what God has done for us. See, that is what Jesus did. He willfully followed his Father's directive to come to earth. For us, sinners, to come to us. To come and be rejected. To be beaten. To be cursed at. To be hung on a cross. That is what Jesus did for us. See, our spouses, kids, pastors, and every relationship, and anything that we will ever own will never satisfy us like the bread of life can satisfy us. We no longer have the time to just dabble with church or to play church. We must stop just trying out Jesus. See, many come and have walked away because we chase the signs rather than the person of Jesus. We look at the scripture and we see Jesus declare to us, to be all in, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, for I am the bread of heaven. Are we all in today? We honor our commitment in Christ today through the sacrament of communion. We partake in the bread and the juice as a symbol of his great sacrifice for us all. Some of us might be for the first time understanding that we have just been dabbling with this whole church thing. And I say to you, repent and call unto Jesus for salvation. Others of us might be holding on to our little bag of silver like Judas, whatever that silver might be. And I say to you, whatever it is that you're holding on to, it is worthless compared to Christ. I can make you, I, I can't make you, but I do beg of you. Let it go. Repent and call unto Jesus. And there might be those of us that are here that have had a revelation for your need for Jesus for the very first time. If that is you, please stick around. Tell Pastor Brad or myself. We want to know, we want to hear that story, and we want to be joyful with you and guide you into the beginning of what this journey of Christ Jesus would look like. Let us pray together. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for giving us the bread of heaven who is Jesus. Let us not take him for granted and give us great revelation on where we stand. Lord, we ask for your beauty to be shown in this place. We ask that we would be hungry for your bread, that bread that will last forever and give us eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.